How's your week been then, Jack? It's been a bit tough, to be honest, mate. I've I've struggled this week with a lot of just stress, overthinking, not being able to control my myself, my thoughts, and my feelings, and my uh, and my actions. So yeah, I'd say that that's just been it's just been a tough tough week. Mm. What about yourself? First half of the week was good. I actually I brought a new car. I don't know. Oh, did you? you? Yeah, yeah. Did you? <laughs> yeah, it's a nice little Renault Clio. Like oh yeah. Diesel and all. I've never had a diesel before, so I was absolutely buzzing off of that. And then had a tough couple of days, I suppose. I'm not even sure why, really. Just daily stresses of life mixed with just traumas that I've had in the past that we'll speak about in later ones, but. It's basically my sister's birthday on the second of November, so once we start talking, oh, about yeah, close, so yeah. so she would have been twenty two. So basically, once we all start talking about it, and that it starts, it's like it hits you all over again. Yeah, it's been six years as well, um, so it's still difficult for us to deal with. But we've been uh, rearranging the house and stuff. That's why I'm in a new location mm. now. And it's almost like a physical form of sort of sorting out your life, if you know what I mean. Yeah. Um, but yeah, that's been my week, mate. Yeah. What's the topic today that we're doing? So the topic today is is how to open up to your friends. And I think it's it's probably a good topic this week. And the reason why it's a good topic this week is because we've both struggled and outside of the podcast, we've both had to reach out to each other because it, it has been that bad. It has yeah. it's been really tough. It, not going to lie. Um, and having that having us each other there to be able to reach out to has been properly helpful for me, especially I think because when I'm, when I'm aware that I'm overthinking, yeah. The one thing I want to do is just get someone's opinion. Yeah. Of, especially now, if, now we speak about it all the time. I just want your opinion. Like what am I, what am I thinking about? Is it right? Is it wrong? Is it, is it justified? Is it not justified? Am I overthinking? Am I... You know what I mean? It's Yeah, I do, because we had a really interesting phone call as well. Um, and like you say, when you're overthinking like that, you need... A, I feel like you need someone you can trust to talk to you yeah. about it, because otherwise you start really believing stuff that probably isn't true. Or you. Yeah. <laughs> but when, I think when you're doubting yourself, you do need that, that someone that you can trust. And I think I've definitely noticed a difference since the first podcast about us opening opening up more but even when because I opened up to you a couple of days ago was it and even then I was still worried <laughs> so it just proves that yeah. we d we do a podcast and I'm still there sort of worrying about how to open up to you but it was fine and I think we've got it we've got it nailed now I think <laughs> yeah I think I, I completely agree I think we do have it nailed um, but can you remember the first time that we actually opened up to each other? Who was the first one to actually even say anything about it? I think it was me, wasn't it? It was you, yeah. And when you said in La in Lancaster, when yeah, when I spoke about when I was at uni, yeah. So I was struggling anyway, really bad with anxiety, and then you came in, and I thought it was really brave of you. You just walked in the room and said, <laughs> "I've been like signed off uh, from therapy," and. It was because of my depression, and then I just really wanted to say something to you there and then about like 
yeah, sort of like alarm bells went off in my mind because I was thinking yeah. I really want to just speak to Jack because he's the first person that's remotely uh, explained how I've been feeling. Like when I was around everybody else, it, I felt like the odd one out. Like I was thinking, you know, there's no way that anyone's feeling like me. And then when you came out and said it, that was that opened the door for me to eventually come to you and be like, yeah, this is what's going on. Yeah, so let me tell the story of when yeah. and what led me to opening up to you guys because it was um, cause it, there was like a group of us in the room. It wasn't just like a couple of us, so it was it was quite a daunting thing. Um, yeah. So it started where during uni, I probably had one of the biggest relapses in terms of going back into a really dark place that I've ever had in my life. It it was so intense that. I couldn't, I couldn't think straight. I couldn't, I couldn't speak to people. I, I just wanted to stay in my room, just wanted to avoid lectures, avoid work. I, and it was a real, real, real dark time. Yeah. And at that point, I knew that because I'd done therapy before, I knew that the CBT wasn't going to, it wasn't going to be effective for the for the mental state that I was in at that time. Yeah. I needed something that was like an immediate, just a, just some form of pick-me-up. Yeah. And that's how I thought of it in my head. So I went to the doctors and I said, I've suffered with depression before. I've suffered with anxiety before. And um, I'm feeling it again. And it's really intense this time. Really intense. Yeah. I started hearing voices again in in my head, mm. and um, then they gave me some medication, and so I started taking that again. Yeah. And at the same time, I was also going to the gym. Right. And this is when I started to lift heavy. So I was I was doing things before the medication that were trying to help me get my mood back up. I was trying to like go to the gym, see people, go out. Um, and when I was at the gym, I was eating a, a load of takeaways, just a load of shit food, to be honest. It was it was yeah. awful food. We were, weren't we? <laughs> I got up to, I think, 95 kilograms. Yeah. And um, I bruised my spine doing, I think we were doing shoulder press or something like that. Yeah. And I bruised the bottom of my spine. So I went to the doctors. I had a couple of MRI scans and um, they ended up giving me painkillers. Mm. So I got given some codeine. No. Um, and Strong, aren't they? Yeah. So at uni, I was depressed, and then I started mixing codeine and fluoxetine um, mm. together. And that was at the point where, obviously, you're not supposed to drink when you're... Really, you're not supposed to drink on either of them. Um, and we were still going out. Like, <laughs> <laughs> yeah, we were. We? We, we, we were still going out, and we were still drinking. So, yeah, that was when that was when I knew that it got a little bit too far. Yeah, and I just I went to university and I said, "We've got exams coming up." This was, I think, it was towards January exams, to be honest. Yeah, and and I said to university, I said, "I don't know what I'm going to do because I just these all these medications are clouding my mind, and I can't think straight." Um. Uh. I feel like I've lost my edge. I feel like the world is slow. It yeah. feels like 
Because when you when you're on that their medications and they're all grouped together, you feel like you're drunk. You feel like um, like you're a zombie. Yeah, yeah. Uh, I felt that so that's as what well. Exactly. So that's what I said to uni, and then uni said, "Okay, we'll give you some extra time, and we'll give you someone to talk to at uni." And we did that, and then I knew that after that, I'd I'd exhausted all my options. Then at that point, I'd been to the doctors, I tried medication, I tried speaking to like university, and at that point, I was like, "I've got nowhere else to turn." Yeah. And now at that point, there was two options. There was either do something that I would probably regret. Yeah. Or just open up mm. and, and just 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 tell like the people, everyone that I'm closest to, absolutely everyone that I'm closest to, and just see what happens. Because the two options that I had left were you either say something to the people who you know you can trust, yeah, or you never say anything and it's over. Yeah. You know what I mean? So it's better to just do that first one. Yeah, I, I um, agree, mate, yeah. And I remember I sat down in the living room and there was about there was about four or five of us and I just I just said I've been really struggling with with mental health and I've been through it before and it's just as scary the second time and I just wanted you guys to understand why I was acting the way I was acting or yeah or just understand that I wasn't in a good place and if I'm if I'm being a bit needy or if I'm being a bit if there's something that's you're like oh why is Jack acting like that I just wanted you to be aware that it was it was something that I was struggling with yeah and so I think it was more of a selfish act it was more of a I just want you guys to to know what's going on and possibly for one of you to help me yeah. and I didn't know how I didn't know how I didn't know how but it was just a it was just a plea it was just like a I'm yeah. really struggling here like I'm drowning and I don't know what to do well I think it's important that you when you said about CBT you knew it wasn't going to help you in that situation and I think sometimes the most simple inexpensive therapy you can get is from your friends oh mate 100% yeah I mean sometimes like I had I, well, I've had a few experiences, but I'll tell you about when I first started struggling, if you want, and when yeah, I first yeah. opened up. Yeah, go on. Um, it was when I was at uni as well. Um, after what had happened with my sister, I touched on it earlier, but she obviously passed away six years ago now. She had a rare form of um, it's a it's a rare it's a rare disease called Alstom syndrome, and it basically attacks the organs as you get older. So, like your heart gets weaker, your kidneys get weaker. Mm. So I'd always, the, all my life, I've always had that anxiety sort of lying over me, if you know what I mean. Yeah. And then when I was at uni, obviously we spoke about like the panic attack before and all that stuff. But even before then, I was struggling with anxiety. And it always seems to happen at uni, like there's so many people struggling yeah. at uni. <laughs> it does, and mate. If I'm being honest, I don't feel like I got the help I needed when I was at uni because... No. Um, you have, you get assigned a, like a form tutor, don't you? Yeah, yeah. yeah um, so I wasn't handing in any of my assignments on time because my head was so cloudy. I didn't. All I could think about was the trauma, basically. So I wasn't handing anything in. So they told me to come in. So I went in and she sat me down and she sort of said, "Well, what, what's going on?" And I said, "At first I was like, oh, nothing." And then eventually I, I broke down. It's that like the first time I'd ever really 
told anyone other than my mum. Yeah. And I says, yeah, this is going through my mind and this. And she was like, oh, my God, like, I can't believe that you're still functioning and doing work when you've got all this going on. So they gave me extensions and all that kind of stuff. But in the end, I never actually even finished uni because it was just too much. I couldn't deal with mm. that and uni at the same time. But that was when I really first opened up. And then I think when I opened up to you... From what I recall, I feel like it was when we were in Dublin. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I was yeah. going to say the same thing. Yeah. I was going to say the same and thing. It, and it was amazing because I was really struggling then as well. I was just, like I say, unresolved trauma causes so much anxiety. And when you're around people like your friends and you still feel lonely, as amazing as our mates are, it was nice to have you speak out because you, you spoke out again, again in Dublin. Yeah, And when you did that, it gave me so much relief to be like, okay, I'm not the only person here that's feeling this way. I'm not the only person that is just alone or whatever. And then when I spoke to you and you explained everything to me, that's when I sort of started telling you about what I was going through. And it just made me feel so much better. And I can also remember that Dublin trip drinking a load of alcohol the night before <laughs> the <laughs> the night before the airport. Oh, I remember this so clearly. And it was horrendous. And <laughs> I was so happy that you were there because, honestly, the, the panic... It was one of the worst panic attacks I've ever had in my life, to Yeah, be that, that was so bad. Yeah, it really was. I was like... I remember because <laughs> I was because I was trying to use... <laughs> the only coping mechanism <laughs> I had at the time was exercise. So I remember being in the airport doing star jumps in the middle of the terminal trying to get the <laughs> trying to get all this fight or flight energy out of me i remember i remember <laughs> but i but i do clearly remember having the panic attack and you speaking to me you were you were there the whole time saying all the right things and i yeah I, if i didn't have that at the time i genuinely feel like i, I don't think they would have let me on the flight or i would have ended up in an oh, ambulance they wouldn't have done. not in the state that you were in they would not have let you yeah, on the flight but you really did calm me down and it was just I think after that, that's when me and you really connected and I started messaging you privately and stuff, didn't I? Yeah, I, yeah. I think ever since then, I feel like we've we've got a lot closer, to be honest. But 100%. Yeah. So I'll tell you about Dublin from my perspective because it's interesting. And then I want to hear your perspective from okay. afterwards. So um, a few of the... A few of our friends, we all went together. We went to Dublin for uh, how many How many days was it? Like? I think it was two or three days. Or two days, yeah. yeah. Let's host you. It, it was barely any time at all. And at that point, um, I think there was a couple of us. It was almost a handful of us who were all going through a lot. And we were all in a pretty bad place. Yeah. We're all, for, all for different reasons. Um all for different reasons. So I was the first one to actually speak out when I w after I was on mixing medications. Um, and then after that, a couple of people had re reached out to me separately. Yeah. And then during this trip, I knew that you were, I knew that you were really bad. Yeah. And I, th I said to myself, I said, you need to get Lou to talk to you. <laughs> yeah. And, and and I didn't know how. I didn't know how it was going to happen. Um, but I needed to... I knew that during the trip, at some point, 
there would have been an opportunity. And I said to myself before we went, I said, do not miss that opportunity if it comes up. Yeah, and you took it, didn't you? <laughs> yeah. So we were walking. It, it was, in fact, I think it started on the drive to the airport. No, it did. It did, yeah. Because, can you remember? So everyone knows that a journey to an airport is super stressful, right? Everyone knows that. And when you're with a group, when you're with a group of hungover guys, <laughs> there is nothing worse than that journey to the airport because there's always someone who oversleeps. There's always someone who doesn't pack properly. There's always someone who forgets their boarding card. And <laughs> do you know what? It was actually funny because this was one of the first times that Ryan and I were doing the uh, the the scanning um, oh, boarding yeah. card. <laughs> we all we all put it in the group chat. <laughs> oh yeah we were so, trying to find the files and... uh, oh it was so stupid because we put it in the group chat yeah. and i i forgot that when you get sent a photo in a group chat it automatically saves it to your photos yeah so i was going on my photos and i found the first boarding pass i was like oh this is mine <laughs> and, I, <laughs> yeah. and i ended up scanning uh who's the last Oh, we, ba- uh, we all I basically scan- we all got mixed I up, s- didn't we? Yeah, I scanned Tom's. I think someone scanned that. So God. we all scanned each other's. And even during the drive there, there was protests in the streets as yeah, well. Yeah, that's too. what I was going to say to you. We were stuck yeah. in traffic for about half an hour because of the protests. And all I, I was just screaming in my mind, <laughs> I want to go home. I want to get in bed. I want to be back in my safe place. Yeah. And you know when you don't feel safe? Because like, obviously a big problem for me is has been anxiety when you're in that yeah. place if you don't feel safe you feel attacked all the time a hundred percent a hundred percent so i knew and I, I could feel j- the reason that i knew that the conversation with lou was coming because because in my own head i was like oh i'm getting stressed now <laughs> yeah um so we got to the airport and everyone was getting a bit ratty after the after the mix-up of um Boarding passes. Yeah, definitely. Um, so at that point, when a big group of you are ratty, you'll notice that like a couple of them f- walk a bit slower, a couple mm-hmm. of them walk a bit quicker, and then you all like, <laughs> <Yeah>. form, <laughs> form a couple of n- new groups. Yeah. And um, so I could see that Lou was... Th- at this point, Lou was visibly struggling. Mm. Um, he was visibly like, like darting his head around like... Just obvious signs for for people who've been through it and and have been in that situation. Yeah, and that's at the point where I asked him if he was okay. Asked him how he feeling. You know, and you almost have to lead the question because you know the answer, and you're yeah. just trying to pull the answer slowly mm. and let them let them say it, but try and lead it so yeah. that they can give them the opportunity to say what they want to say. And let them say it. Yeah, because it's amazing how much the mind, it, at that time when I didn't really know what was going on, it's amazing how much the mind doesn't want to speak out about prompts. So, yeah. But as soon as you prompted me to talk, straight away I was like, yes, this is the permission I've been given <laughs> to say. Because otherwise you feel like a burden. So to have friends like you around yeah. in that situation, to ask me these questions, it was just amazing. It was a, such a good release. Yeah. And I really don't think I would have been able to deal with it without you. Know, <laughs> I, so I, I really appreciate it even now. Because yeah. so I rem- and I still remember the advice that I gave you because the advice that I gave you I think was 
it was an old technique that I used to use when I first started. Um, I remember. I know exactly what you're going to say. <laughs> um, so we were we were going to we we're starting to go towards the terminal, and Lou almost passed out. Yeah, I had to sit but, down, didn't I? Yeah. <laughs> when I say passed out, I mean, how tall are you, Lou? Well, I'm six foot. Yeah, but yeah, <laughs> Quite six heavy foot as well. And he's a big guy. <laughs> he's a big guy and he's six foot. And he, he literally just stopped. He went like that. And he pretty much fell. Um yeah. and we had to put him down in a seat and he was his anxiety was so bad yeah. that he couldn't even control his body. His body was out of his control. Yeah, it was. <laughs> and I was I was shitting myself. Yeah. I said in my head, this is way beyond what I can Well, I didn't with. even have I... any body awareness back then either. So the yeah. amount I must have been tensing up would have been crazy. And yeah. I was just... I, I, so that, that's when I sat down and I said, Lou, this is what you need to do. At the minute, your head is not in the right place. It's not, but you've yeah. got to put that... T- because we haven't got a lot of time to just have this big conversation. So I thought we need to act quick. Yeah. And one of the techniques that I used to do when I was in a situation where I didn't know how to act was pick someone in your head that you think is calm. So in this situation, I knew that we wanted someone calm. Um, and for me, that's usually Barack Obama. For someone else, it can be someone. Uh, it can be anyone that you think of who, who in the situation, you always turn to to be the one who's calm. Yeah. And I said, think about the mannerisms of that person. So for me, if it's Barack Obama, I'll sit up as if he's addressing the nation, put his hands together, linked in. Yeah. And I'd envision myself literally in being Barack Obama. (laughs) And at that point, it's funny because it may sound stupid now, but at the time, doing something like that where you imagine yourself in someone else's shoes, it forces you to act the way that they would act rather than the way that your mind is telling you to. Yeah. So you're breaking the cycle. Mm, you can really shift uh, that your mindset there. A hundred percent. The the, the uh, you what you said was the rock. I remember yeah. you saying the yeah, rock. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And I was like, okay, well how does the <laughs> look in the rock's video, he's all relaxed and just yeah. a huge guy and Yeah, man, it, it took me out of it and I think it's a good technique. That other people can use as well because it, it definitely yeah. is yeah mm. it's it's just funny how both of our because those situations were pretty close together in t- in terms of time wise they weren't yeah. that far apart um and it's funny how one person snowballs into another person into another person into another person yeah and if you're in a group of friends where nobody knows about um, their mental state, if you don't know about, if you let's say you've got a group of friends that are like five, eight, ten friends, even if you've just got one, yeah. If you think that they're a real, real good friend, and you don't know about their mental state or their mental fitness, like, I don't think you really know them. Yeah. And until you have that conversation and you start to think about how do they react to things, then I don't think you'll ever be on that that wavelength with them. 
Yeah. And even if you're not in a place right now where you are really needing that support, sometimes it's just good to have the conversation anyway. Oh, I 100% agree because I, before I before I started suffering with any anxiety, I was so arrogant and, well, ignorant towards mental health. Yeah. And I understand that when it doesn't affect you, that it's easy to turn a blind eye to it and or to not understand it because you do really only understand it properly when you go through it. But I would be the person that would dismiss it and say, nah, they're not. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Which I'll, put, I'll hold my hands up and say that that's what I used to be like. But now, obviously, I feel like it took that breakdown to really understand what goes on when people are suffering with mental illness. Yeah. Yeah. And you know what's funny? There's there's a culture where um, once you've been through it and once you've got the skills, like you've learned the skills of how to deal with it, you'll never share that with someone else yeah. up front. You, you'll never be the one to share it first. It'll always be someone who's asked you about how you've dealt with something in the past. It's never... I've I've struggled before, and this is how I felt. Have you ever felt like this? You know yeah. what I mean. It's never. It's you never frame the conversation in that way. It's always framed. Have you ever struggled with this? Yes. Here's how I coped. It's never. I've done this. I don't know if you relate to it. Yeah. But I've done this, and this is how I felt. Yeah. And that whole culture of not sharing information and not sharing that experiences. You forget that hundreds and hundreds and hundreds of people have been through the same thing. So in that group that I opened up to, mm. three of them were going through similar situations. And you wouldn't even know it, would you? You wouldn't even know it. I didn't you even never know that until now. <laughs> like, you, you just never know it. You yeah. just never know it. And until someone says something, that's the point in which it, <coughs> it just triggers. It, it triggers the conversations. But... If you if you don't feel bad, if you don't feel mentally unfit, mentally you're struggling, even if mentally you feel perfectly fine, sometimes it's good just to say, how are you doing? But don't tell me using the words good. Don't tell me using the word fine. Don't tell me using the word all right. Yeah. Just t- tell me using without using those, those three words, because we do that at the start of the podcast. Without using those three words, tell me how you are. And you'll be surprised at how difficult it is to tell someone how you are without saying all right, without saying <laughs> good, and without saying fine. Definitely. And I think by doing that as well, you eliminate the daily stresses of life. Because when you have a breakdown, it's not something, usually, it's not just something that happens just like that. It's been something that's been building up time over time over time over time. Usually you've had years of stress, anxiety, depression, and then you hit the breakdown. But it's unfortunate that most people, including myself, wait until the breakdown before they speak out or before they get the help that they need. Whereas if you're, like Jack's just said, if you're feeling good still, that doesn't mean that you should ignore your mental health. You should, like you say, explain how you're feeling, get, get the daily stresses out so that you never reach that overwhelm point. And I think that's really important as well because... I feel like when you reach that overwhelm point, it's it's like ten times more difficult to get back down to being relaxed again. Yeah. Well, that's what, going back to the start of the podcast. That's what we do with each other now. 
Yeah. Even if we're feeling well, even if we're feeling good, we'll still reach out to each other. 100%, yeah. And we'll still say, how are you doing? Once you build that connection with someone or with a friendship group, when you ask the question, how are you doing? It takes on a new meaning. Mm. It's not just a, I'm all right. Thanks for asking. How are you? And yeah. You know what I mean? It's not just a, it's not just a, a, an answer that an AI could give. Yeah, yeah. If you have, someone has got to have that first conversation. Someone's got to have the backbone to say, this is how I feel about things. Yeah. Uh, these are my feelings. Um, and, and I when think you that have was you. That, that was you. Wasn't yeah, it? yeah. I think if you've got a group of friends, you can always identify what kind of, what person that would be. Because there's always going to be a person that will have the backbone in, in the beginning. Yeah. And then you can direct your attention towards them then. Because sometimes you may be explaining how you're feeling to the wrong people. And I fell into that trap. And mm. you end up feeling worse. Like I've been explaining it to some people who, who I fought with my friends. And it's been like, all it's ended up me, all it's ended up making me feel is like I'm not strong in the mind, which just isn't yeah. true at all. And that really, that makes you feel even worse. Whereas, but you it's where you work out. Sorry, mate. It's where you work out where your true friends are. Yeah, but that's 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 what mental health does. It brings true people together, true friendships together. Yeah, it's mental health is part of life. Mm. It's. It's a part of life that's hidden online. Yeah. Because you can. It's mm. a part of life that's it's because it was hidden on TV, because it was hidden online, and because there's such a stigma around it, most people will ignore it. Mm. And most people will ignore conversations because they're like, "Oh, I don't want it to turn into a pity party. Yeah, I don't want yeah. it to turn into a pissing contest as to who's got the worst mental health. Yeah. I don't want it to be. Um, I don't want it to take my mood down." There's times where you can talk about mental health and you talk about some real dark stuff and you can still have a great conversation yeah. and you can still be in a great mood afterwards. Yeah. You don't have to, just because you're talking about some horrible things doesn't mean you have to feel horrible about it. Yeah, I feel like we're great at doing that. Like, even though we've spoken about horrible and dark things, as strange as it may sound, we've, we've joked around whilst <laughs> saying it or we still talk about punching grannies. <laughs> exactly, mate, yeah. And I think that's what it's about. It's getting rid of that stigma and getting rid of that... If if you're st- struggling right now, it's more than likely that you're going to feel embarrassed about speaking out because yeah. that's how I felt. And it's just... When you've got someone that you can confide in, like I was with Jack, it really just takes that embarrassment away and, and you sort of start beginning the journey of letting go. Well, you've got to ask yourself the question, what have you got to lose? Exactly. Uh, if if you do, let's say you do, you say, "Oh, I'm I'm struggling at the minute. Um, I'm thinking this, and I feel this way." What's the worst thing that could have happened? If I was sat in that room with all my closest friends and I said that, what was the worst thing that was going to happen? They were going to laugh at me. Exactly. They'd never gonna, do that. If they were going <laughs> to laugh at you, then they wouldn't be your friends anyway. So exactly, it wouldn't even matter. I think if I speak from my own perception at that time, I was just creating a narrative in my mind that I didn't need to have. It was it was just untrue. It was saying, oh, if you speak out, it, you're going to look like less of a man. You're and weak. Particularly yeah. with men as well. I think we've been conditioned to sort of keep everything in and, and not cry. And I know it sounds cliche because everyone says it, but I, I do genuinely feel that, that that's so true. And, and you look at male suicide, it's so 
so high. It's, it's a lot higher than female suicide, I believe. Yeah, it is. And, the, and I'd, I'd think there's a reason for that, mate. I really do. Yeah, no, I agree. I agree. I think... I think it should... Men are told, keep your chin up and carry yeah. on. Men, men are told to man up. Mm. That So the truth of the matter is... it. it it oh, happens I hate that to fucking both. phrase. <laughs> yeah, it, it happens. It happens to both. Yeah, it happens to no, men yeah, and yeah. women. Obviously, I didn't just, mean that. No, no, no. Obviously, just getting that out of the way. But the phrase "man up" is the most toxic, and you only ever hear that in high school. You only yeah. ever hear that in when you're when you're up until the age of sixteen. You're told to man up. Because at that time, it's like, oh, your feelings don't matter. You're only a kid. Yeah. And after the age of 16, wh- if you if you went to someone and said, oh, no, I'm really struggling. I feel like this. I feel awful. They're so much less likely to say man up. So much less likely. Well, also, As sorry, Jack. I was just going to say on that note, obviously, growing up with my mum my as my only parent, she, I feel like she taught me how to be emotional. And I think th- the great thing about women is it's okay for them to be emotional. Like at school, yeah. for example, I saw like girls crying and releasing emotions all the time. And, you know, people would like go over to them, oh, are you okay and stuff. But if a lad did it, it would almost be like yeah. this embarrassing thing that people would take the piss out of. But this is the thing. It happens when you're young. Yeah. And it, condition- it conditions you for the future. 100%, yeah. Because uh, you get home... If I was in a bad mood, you'd be told to grow up. You'd be told to yeah. man up. If I was... I wonder how different my experience would have been with mental health if I was a young girl who was coming home and was upset and was staying in her room and was crying. And yeah. I wonder how different it would be. And that's just a genuine curiosity that I have. I think it's taken a bit more seriously then, because I think if you physically see somebody crying, then you know that you can see that they're in pain. Whereas obviously males not crying, or I, I just agree with what you're saying. Basically, it's it's a difficult one, and I, and I know it's a touchy subject, and I'm not saying yeah. that there's anything wrong with it. It's just I just feel like. Uh, I'm happy that in our generation now, men are being able to express their feelings a lot more. And also, when there's people like us having children, we will be able to pass that knowledge on. Yeah. We're not going to make the same mistake twice, sort of thing. Well, I, you know what? That's that's a great comment because <laughs> it is <laughs> because I think that fathers, um. <clears throat> of our generation haven't shown vulnerability. Yeah. And when I say vulnerability, I mean on an emotional level because you've always been told to drink it away or you you get told that, oh, well, your granddad went through a war and... Yeah, so you shouldn't... you should What you're going through is nothing yeah, compared to that. Yeah, what you're going through is nothing compared to that. Yeah. And that was very common. It was a common rhetoric around... Um, the uh, the fathers of our generation of mm-hmm. our specifically talking about where we grew up and our area and yeah and 
when you have that, when you have that aura of, oh, well, you don't know what it's like to be in war. You don't know what it's like to... You're afraid to say anything that bothers you in case you get told, well, you're just pathetic. Yeah, 100%, yeah. So... I was the exact same. You don't want to. You don't want to say anything at, at, at first. You don't want to say that you're getting bullied because you'll just like just get home and they'll say, "Oh, well, just hit him." Yeah, yeah. And it's not always the case. It's the, it's it's the psychological yeah. abuse. It's a, yeah, yeah, yeah. It really isn't the case at all. Bullying isn't harmful because it leaves bruises. Yeah. Bullying's harmful because it leaves an internal dialogue that is amplified over the next three, four years that you're in school. I so think, I think it stays with people forever as well. I've spoken yeah. to a few people that have experienced heavy bullying, and I think often it turns into PTSD, I would well, say. What happens when, you, when you're bullied is someone will say things about you that usually aren't true. Yeah. And usually have some form of negative negative connotation around them mm. and when you do that 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 <coughs> gives a dialogue in someone's head as to so for instance if i said to someone you are fat yeah that would give a dialogue in someone's head that says i'm fat i'm fat i'm fat the bully said it once your mind We'll say it a million times. And then that becomes a core belief then, and then that's a whole... Exactly. Yeah, and then you've got to go through all the the, the counselling to get rid of that, and the acceptance, and yeah, it's, it's horrible. If you don't have the the friendships and the the people around you to talk about how you feel, it's a dangerous place to be, mm. because there's not... When you don't have that platform, who are you going to tell? Exactly, yeah. And I think even if you don't have friends, if you have a family member, just someone. Find someone that you can trust. Find someone that you have some form of relationship with where you know that if you said something to them, they wouldn't just laugh it off. Yeah. It's okay if they don't know what to do because no one knows what to do. No one ever knows what to do. I didn't know what to do when Lou, when Lou was panicking, <laughs> when he almost passed out in the airport. <laughs> yeah. But you make it work. You improvise. You work on it. And you're honest with each other. It's a really interesting point there, that is, because I feel like one of the main figures, first figures in my life that like that I could say stuff to was teachers certain teachers anyway there was ones that I'd already decided you know how much I could open up to and if you can find like a trusted teacher it's just like you can just say anything and they can help you that's so true you know because Mm. I'm trying to think was there I'm re- I really want to know what teacher it was for you. But okay, I, like, I'll obviously. tell you the teacher it was, if you want. <laughs> yeah, go on, go it on. It was um, Mr. Murray. You remember Mr. Murray? Oh, yeah. Great guy, great guy. He is such a good guy. Yeah, he, he really was. He, I remember. The, Everyone loved him. Yeah, and that's because yeah. he was just so down to earth, and he'd actually listen to what you were saying, whereas, you know, when sometimes you feel like some teachers can be a bit bullyish, and 
to go on a power trip, whereas he was yeah. just so nice. And yeah, he really helped me to going through year 10 and 11, express emotions. And there was many times where I spoke really? Yeah, yeah, there's many times where there was a reason why I got an A in RE. <laughs> <laughs> Pretty much. <laughs> and it's because of the teachers. Like, if you like a teacher, you're probably going to express a lot more interest in the subject that you're doing anyway. True. Yeah. So Very what, true. Did you have any teachers or... Uh, I don't... I'm trying to think now. It's hard. Um... I cannot think of any. I really don't think. Maybe. Uh, um, not. I don't. I didn't ever have a teacher where I could. Yeah. I could. I could trust to talk about mental. Um, mental health. Yeah. I did have. Um, when we were doing music. Because mm. I was in a band at school, yeah, and you were, weren't you? I remember that. And we always <laughs> used to hang out in the in the music corridors. <laughs> yeah, was, I remember where they were. <laughs> <laughs> and there was there was some teachers that had because um, they used to block the the music corridors so that no one could actually get in because yeah. they didn't want ever all the kids just fucking with their equipment. <laughs> yeah, sitting um, on the drums and stuff. So so there were some teachers where you'd walk past and you'd have a conversation with them about... Because uh, obviously I, I was allowed to go through. Yeah. And there's an opportunity for a very quick conversation about how things are. Yeah. And I did have a conversation with a couple of teachers at that time if something was really troubling me that day. Yeah. yeah. Um, if, I'd, if, I, if someone had said something to me that had really, really got, got to me, yeah. then I'd tell whoever... If there was a teacher near the music where I was going at lunch, where where I was going to get away, then I talk I talked to them about it. Yeah. Um, I don't think I ever had that one staple teacher though that I can remember. Yeah, I think in my case it was sort of when I went when I said earlier about my sister being ill throughout of her life. There were certain periods where I'd be at school and she'd be in hospital, and Mister oh, Murray was one yeah. of the teachers that took time out. Because he, he sort of knew my mum and, and would speak to my mum and, and all that kind of stuff. And uh, there was a few other teachers, actually. And he was just one of the people that checked up on me and says, I know, I know, like, your sister's in hospital at the moment. How are you doing? All that kind of stuff. And to have that at that age is a, it was really good for me, actually, yeah. And when I started to... When I got a, <laughs> When I started to work in the real world, as they say, that's when I started to struggle because... I don't. I don't think my coworkers were very nice. Pre- some previous jobs that I've had, I feel I felt like I was bullied. To be honest, sometimes in which I didn't like, obviously. <laughs> yeah. um, but I really felt like it affected my self esteem. For the fit, it's strange because it, when we talk about bullying, when I was in that job, there was a period of time where I felt like really worried about going in because I really felt victimized and. Looking back on it now, I don't know why I put up with it for so long, but yeah, in school, I was always this, you know, macho, Lou, and all that kind of stuff, and it was fine then, but I, I don't know, I didn't really feel like I knew how to act around people that were doing the careers, and I don't know how to explain it, it's, it's difficult, but I bet basically I felt like the odd one out, and it really affected the job, and how I was doing it, 
I remember worrying before going in and I had all this other stuff going on and I just think that people should be more considerate about what's going on in someone's personal life because if they're struggling anyway and then on top of that you start bullying them or saying stupid things to them it could send them over the edge I I, th- I think something's interesting actually so Mr Murray for you yeah. gave you a platform to speak about your emotions he gave you a platform to be open and honest about your feelings and your thoughts yeah yeah one thing he didn't do was explain why that's important. Yeah. So you had it, and you had a real good example of it, but you never had someone say, how are you? How are you doing? And this is why it's important to talk about your feelings. Yeah. So the moment that Mr. Murray left, or you left Mr. Murray, you don't understand why it's so important to have that. Yeah. And then... When you get into these situations at work where you're being, where you're being bullied, where you're being, where you don't want to go in, yeah, you're all you're looking for is the next Mister Murray. Yeah, yeah, I've noticed. I've done that before. Yeah, definitely. and you don't know why they're not there. You don't know why you can't find them. Yeah. Realistically, there's a Mister Murray everywhere. Yeah. It's just about opening up and having a trusted person to open up to and having the platform to have them conversations it's not the it's not the person that, that changes your life it's the ability to talk yeah. that changes your life the person is just the trigger yeah and then the outlet is something that frees you yeah and i, I think that's interesting because i do still feel like people there may be some people watching this that still feel that they don't have any outlet, even though that we're saying yeah. it. So you could even use this channel as an outlet if you needed to. Um, yeah, a hundred percent. If you if you if you feel like there's something that you want to talk about, there's something that you want us to talk about, then leave it in the comments. Reach out, uh, in go on Instagram and DM us. Yeah. Go on. There's a platform here that we are creating for you to just open up. And this is the reason why know. we're doing this. Yeah, yeah. you never yeah. know. There might be someone else in the comments who, who feels the same way. Yeah. This, so, this is so important. It's so important to to have a platform to express your emotions and express your feelings. And it's okay to do that because you can make it funny. You can make it yeah. you can make it lighthearted if you want. You can also go really deep if you want. It's yeah, we're used to it. We know, we know we've been in all sorts of situations that we're going to share with you. But definitely feel like if anyone's struggling, just jump on the Instagram. Insta, what's the Instagram at Strong Friend Podcast at Strong, at, at Strong Friend UK at Strong Friend UK. We'll put it in the description as well, won't we? Yeah. Um, just message us, and I feel like we're good at giving advice. <laughs> <laughs> well, we're good at we're good at giving experiences. Yeah, and experience gives lessons and and in that sense we're very good yeah we have a lot to talk about we have a lot a lot of experience we have a lot of experiences so it's important to to make sure you're reaching out to the people who you can trust because maybe they have the exact same experiences yeah maybe they have it too maybe maybe they don't 
m- maybe they're maybe you're the Mr. Murray, maybe you're the Lewis. <laughs> yeah. The, whoever you are, if you don't talk about emotions, if you don't talk about feelings and thoughts and and and, and hard topics, then you're never going to have the outlet for when things get really, really bad. I mean, it may be tough talking about emotions, but ultimately, once you do start talking about them, you start releasing them rather than just letting them fizzle up like a bottle of Coke. And then it this gets to the point where it'll just explode, like, you know, when you put Mentos in Diet Coke. Yeah. <laughs> That's what happened with me, so <laughs> it's better to just open the cap a little bit each time, yes. laying it out, laying it out slowly. But ultimately, the end goal is the same, so... This podcast is called Strong Friend, okay? And that's because usually a strong friend is someone who's been through tough times. A strong friend is someone who, who in a situation where it gets tough, they always know how to act. They always know what to do. They're always that person who's got the perfect life or what you perceive to be the perfect life. Yeah. That person will have got there from struggling. You don't develop these skills. You don't develop these uh, abilities from birth. Yeah, you do it through intense hardship because you're forced to, essentially, when you get that low. Exactly. Exactly. And we always leave the podcast with with, uh, the phrase, check up on your strong friend. And that is because... You need to give them an outlet as well. Mm. You need to be there, Mister Murray. You need to. You need to be able to provide that platform to allow someone to speak, and allow someone to speak their mind and speak their truth. Yeah. And if someone does share something that's quite intense with you, don't be afraid of it. Be grateful that they shared it. Because you'll be surprised how many of your strong friends are actually struggling or have struggled in the past and probably got something that they can teach you. Yeah, they've all got the same perception. They have. You, you'll yeah. be surprised at how many people think about things so similarly. Yeah, you really would. I didn't realise that until I started opening up. And then Jack's saying, yeah, I've been through this, this and this. And I was like, wow, I thought I was the only one in the world. That's how, that's how lonely it can be. But it's just not, it's not the truth at all. It's not at all. Everyone thinks they're a special case. Almost everyone. (laughs) (laughs) If you are struggling, please reach out to someone. Anyone. And if you're feeling great, if you think that you are on top of the world, please reach out to someone. Because there's always someone having a worse day than you. Yeah. And with that, I think we can wrap up here. I think we I'd can, like mate. to thank you for watching. Please like the video, share share this one with a friend. Maybe even use this as the platform. Use this as the conversation starter. Yeah. And subscribe. Don't forget, check up on your strong friend. Mm-hmm.